everyone. Welcome to Let's Innovate. Michael Hunger here with another episode of the podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. In my day job, I'm the program coordinator at the HR Macmillan Space Center. I'm also the host of another podcast called Nerdin' About, which used to be an in-person event, and that's exactly where I met our guest today. Dr. Karen Bondar is a biologist, author, philosopher. Uh, Dr. Bondar is the author of the books Wild Sex and Wild Moms. Uh, Dr. Bondar's work has appeared on National Geographic, TED, Animal Planet, Netflix, The Science Channel. She's an adventurer and explorer. She's discovered 11 new species of beetles and snails in the remote jungles of Borneo. Uh, Dr. Bondar is now an adjunct professor of biology at the University of Fraser Valley, where her work focuses on increasing science literacy in the general public. And Karen is going to be running a workshop as part of the Youth Innovation Showcase with me on March 31st. That's going to be virtual. Uh, Super excited for that. Karen joins us today from Chilliwack, British Columbia, with her four children, two dogs, and one cat. How's it going, Karen? It is going awesome. Thank you for that amazing introduction, Michael. Great to be here. Well, you just have you've been involved in so many amazing things, uh, discovering beetles and snails. Uh, you live a very wild life, uh, as your book title says. Oh, I sure do, and I love every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your life and kind of go back in time to when you were in high school, when a lot of the kids, you know, in the uh, youth innovation showcase are in right now. What was that time like for you? Um, and uh, maybe talk about uh, if it was then or perhaps a little bit later when you first got interested in science. Yeah, so I was uh, high, in high school. I was always very much drawn to the arts, actually. Uh, interestingly enough, okay. my science career didn't start until after I was done high school. I was actually very, very interested in dance, and I was very concentrated in classical ballet. So I found myself really gravitating towards the arts when I was in high school. And in fact, after I graduated high school, I uh, took a took a shot at becoming a professional ballerina um, over in Europe. I moved over to Germany and gave ballet a try. But then I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I came back home to Canada and started studying science. And that's actually when I got really inspired by biology. So I went back to night school. I would go to university all day, and then I would go to night school in the evenings to get my science credits from high school. And uh, yeah, so that's why I'm such a strong advocate now for especially my ladies in the room, staying in all of those science classes as long as you can. So obviously there there must have been some barriers there. Were there um, some challenges that you faced? You know, were you discouraged from uh, going to science? You know, being a girl and um, but also not just being a girl, but someone who seemed to have their sights set on the arts, which you know back then were very separate disciplines. You were either uh, an artist or you went into science, and for you, you focused on being a uh, a ballerina or going into ballet and probably for the people around you, they would have never thought that you would ever have an interest in science. 
Yeah, that's a really a good question and a good point because, you know, traditionally, or at least when I was in school, you did have to choose one or the other. And now that I'm older and that I've uh, made a, you know, a body of work in science that is very influenced by art, I see that really science and art are very close together. And there's a lot of art in science and vice versa. And um, I think that actually we're in a really exciting time in universities and in the world where we're recognizing the power of of having multidisciplinary studies things that you know bringing diverse groups of people together um, to to bounce ideas around and to and to make magic the the magical things we can do when we um, when we we don't predict what will happen that's the really cool spot where ideas happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's really good. Uh, a really good point because as an artist, you always start something, and I don't think you ever an artist ever knows what the end product is going to be. So it's always very interesting when we think that scientists um, they know exactly uh, where they're going when they start on something, but that's never the case, is it? That's that's funny. Yeah, I mean, we can certainly try to, and I know that you know scientists make uh, you know. The scientific method itself is a systematic study, um, and how we how we undertake our studies. We can certainly try to make sense of it and define categories of it that we can measure and collect data on. Um, but yeah, there are so many infinite factors, and especially you know in a field like what my educational background is ecology or ecosystem biology, where there are uh, infinite numbers of factors and things that impact other things in cascading ways and circular ways and all kinds of ways that I just love the beauty of that unpredictability. That's what got me into ecosystems thinking in the first place. Well, I want to just dig into that just a, a little bit because uh, when you came back um, from from Germany back to Canada, what was it about biology that kind of like that hooked you in? Was that something that was always there, or um, and you said that you had some discouragement, you know, uh, going back into sciences? So what what gave you that extra push, that extra motivation to uh, get back into science and specifically biology? I I am a pretty determined person, and so I will say that. <laughs> Once I have made a choice, it's it's definitely something that I'll work really hard to accomplish. Although, to be honest, I didn't even necessarily know that it would be biology right away. I what it mm. was I didn't declare my major until my third year. Um, I took classes in dance and archaeology and acting and all kinds of things, but I did always have that one biology class. And interestingly enough, it I always did well in it. It was always my favorite class. Um, and you know, finally. I in third year I just decided yep that's it and and so I then had to spend a lot of time you know collecting up all the credits that I needed for that science degree but yeah I was just very um I was just so fascinated by many things at university and I I guess I really took the opportunity to enjoy it a lot you know that's that's a really good point I think for a lot of kids that perhaps listening to this you know hearing you uh talk about finding this path much later and you had a lot of options. You took different kinds of courses. You went into the arts, archaeology, different kinds of things, but that spark that led you to biology didn't happen right away. And, you know, you experimented, you were probably, um, allowing yourself to, um, 
to find your place, uh, find your home, and uh, to sort of get into what I want to talk about with with uh, kids under these challenges of trying things and not being good at them um, and being uh, frustrated uh, when they're making mistakes over and over again. Could you maybe um, maybe give us some advice, some uh, some Dr. Karen Bondar advice about uh, kids that are um, going through these roadblocks and uh, and learning from those mistakes. You know, the challenging things, the things that we sort of stumble upon and that we have to really level ourselves up to accomplish, that's where we really learn. That's where we really become who we are. And I think if we don't challenge ourselves, if we don't um, almost put some roadblocks, if you will, in front of us, uh, and I don't even, I guess roadblocks is a bad, is a bad term. It's a challenge. It's something you need to, you know, get on and, and become, you know, gain new skills or get a, you know, work on your perspective or look at aspects of your mental health or, you know, whether you're feeling happy in that direction, that's a really important consideration as well. And so I think that we have to know that, okay, well, we may not love every aspect of the challenge. It may be hard, but it's important to be determined and to stick with what you've decided to do. At least for me, that was always something that was really important. If I had set a goal for myself, it was important for me to 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 get there. And oh my goodness, yes, I can definitely relate. If you guys are having you know some challenges, especially right now, getting through um, doing these wonderful science projects, but doing them in in you know in a pandemic, this is already challenging. Mm-hmm. And so when you know when things are not going well, on top of that, we have to actually dig even deeper and and really you know get to what we really want to accomplish, which is this project. I huge undertaking and and just recognize that you're doing an awesome job and determination will get you the prize it will get you there in the end is there a little bit of an evolution lesson if we could sort of uh, if i could pull from your experience um and talking about um, biology and the evolution of of species in those roadblocks in mm-hmm. uh, as a species or as any life you know encountering challenges and it is those challenges that actually makes them thrive is there any lessons from nature that we can glean from oh yeah that's a i love that metaphor that's really lovely and i think the the process of evolution itself it relies on diversity in our populations and you know so we have just think about how how diverse we all are in our skill sets and the way we approach things, the way we might even approach a single science project. Um, evolution just uh, you know is a process that recognizes that diversity, and when when uh, conditions change in some way or you know whatever the whatever the road forward is taking us through, well, it means that some of that diversity is going to become more successful in whatever that new context is. So I love that evolution recognizes our underlying strength in diversity. Mm. <laughs> and I think for that reason, yeah, we are, uh, you know, as, as creatures with huge brains, as people, we are, we are well-equipped to, to handle situations like our projects. Um, we, we were basically built to solve problems. Our brains are really good at that. And, and, and frankly, our brains need that too. It's, it's like food. The mm. more you feed your brain, the more your brain's going to want, but the better you're going to do. So, I mean, it's a win-win. Yeah. yeah. 
what can uh, what can you tell us about some of the challenges you faced, you know, in this past year that the kids might be able to to relate to? I mean, you've been you're teaching right now, um, you're teaching online. I know that we're doing all lots of online stuff at the Space Center. Um, how has this past year been for you, and some of the challenges, and uh, maybe some of the the lessons that you've learned? Yeah, definitely. It has been really. There are some aspects of my life where I am thrilled about the transition to online. I think that teaching mm-hmm. is a great thing that um, that it's allowed our students to gain a lot more freedom. Um, and it's allowed um, instructors to, to have more freedom as well. But I will say uh, the downside of it is that I miss my students greatly. And I, mm-hmm. I miss seeing them in person and having in-person discussions and really, you know, getting our hands dirty together, you know, being in labs, making, doing, getting things done. I miss that. And I think there's a lot of biology in that. And I can certainly um, I can certainly understand that many of our students or our younger students are feeling that to a certain degree, although it's wonderful that our schools are still open. That's so awesome. I would also say something that I am missing is traveling. I, I, def, I was supposed mm. to be in Iceland and Norway and uh, all over in Eastern Canada and all the way uh, across to South America by now. <laughs> nope, not a one. But you know, on the flip side of that, I will say that I love moss and mushrooms. And you know, you know where you can find moss and mushrooms, Michael? (laughs) You're about to tell me. Anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And so I am very happy wherever I can just, you know, wander around. We live in a beautiful part of the world. And so, you know, I'm also very happy to, to wander around in my backyard and all the beauty that exists right here. Wonderful. Um, so I do want to, uh, before we end, uh, end today, I do want to talk about uh, what's also happening in your life right now. You are running for a political office for the school board in Chilliwack. And by the time this podcast airs, we will know the result of that election. Uh, what has that been like for you? And uh, what advice would you give young people uh, with political aspirations? Not normally something that you would see a scientist you know, getting into politics, but something I'm super inspired by. So um, I'm really for you. Um, what, uh, what has this, this journey been like for you? Thank you. That's so kind of you to say, well, you know, it has been a learning experience. That's for sure. And I, I think that I, I wanted to really, uh, uh, run for this position because I, my kids are all, you know, in the public school system. I'm a huge fan of the public school system. And, um, so it's been a chance for me to learn a whole lot more. I've had really excellent conversations with different teachers and different groups of, of adults that work in schools, whether they're with maybe restorative justice or whether they're providing health care of some kind um, or whether they're EAs or things like that. So I think I approach every opportunity in my life as just a chance to learn and learn about what, you know, what other people are doing and how I might make that part of my life, my, and my repertoire. So that part of it's been really, really neat. It's a bit nerve wracking. I got to say the vote's coming up this weekend. And so it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to put your name out there because you're definitely putting it out there uh, with the risk that somebody might not vote for you or might not like the things that you have to say. But at the same time, um, that's what we need to do as, as good humans on the planet is, is be stewards for the things that we believe in. And so I'm, you know, setting an example for myself and I'm setting an example for my children and it's something I'm proud that I've done.
yeah. So thanks for asking. Wonder that. Wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, and even following that evolution example that you just said, you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable spot, and you know, no matter what happens this weekend, you know, you're going to be a little bit changed uh, uh, because of it, uh, because you've challenged yourself and you've used your brain in a different way. So next month, uh, you and I are going to be back here online uh, in a workshop as part of the Youth Innovation Showcase on science communication. So first of all, why do you think it's important for scientists and innovators to learn how to communicate their ideas? Um, we're going to get into this, but what can we expect from the workshop as we get into those questions? Oh, it is going to be an awesome workshop because that, this is a critical question. How come, you know, scientists, we don't know what they do for the most part. And it's because they're really busy <laughs> and they're busy doing science. <laughs> so that's why there's people yeah. like you and I, Michael, who, who make, a, make it our, our passion and our life's work to tell these great stories and to think about great ways and interesting ways that we can present about science. So, oh, we are going, it's going to be colorful. It might be loud. It's going to be interesting to watch. <laughs> oh, you're not going to want to miss this. We're going to explore um, creativity in science communication. And we're going to look at, mm. you know, this, this mixture, this mashup of art and science. And I'm going to definitely want our participants to, to show me all of their skills. That's for sure. It's going to be a great time. I'm really excited. Looking forward to it. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, of course, I, I wish that we were uh, we were in person. I always get uh, such a rush in energy uh, from you whenever whenever we hang out. Um, but it's great that we are continuing our tradition of our science communication team up uh, as we yeah, normally do, uh, Karen. Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, if you would like to learn more about uh, this workshop that we're doing, you can uh, check that out at sciencefairs.ca. Also on our social media, at Youth Innovation Showcase uh, on Instagram, at Youth Innovation on Twitter. Where can people find you, Karen? Oh, you can find all of my work at my website, my main one, which is karenbondar.com. And yeah, definitely reach out if you have ideas or if you want to talk about any cool animal biology stuff. And thanks for having me, Michael. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Uh, and for everyone out there, uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Uh, until then, let's innovate. <laughs>